Well, I hope you all had a great Christmas. Was this Christmas everything you expected it to be? Was, another, was it just another day? Or did the joy of Jesus make it a special day? Why do I ask that question? Because sometimes every Christmas isn't not exactly what we expect it to be. But every Christmas can remind us of the blessings that we do have. And we sang that song, Evidence. If we honestly look at our life, is there enough evidence in our life to show us God's been good to us? I think not only internally, which is the most important part, but even externally, what has God blessed you with in this world? And you look at the, the world around us, and I would think that uh, America has been blessed way beyond any other country. But not every year is a Norman Rockwell year for each one of us. But I think if we take a good look at our lives, we can see all the blessings we've been given. And that's kind of what I want to do today. Look at the blessings that we've gotten because of Jesus. Not personal blessings, that's, that's another thing. But blessings that the world has received because of Christ. Or doing a it's a wonderful life take, what would the world be like if Jesus wasn't born? How would the world be different? You know, the Christmas story's been around 2,000 plus years and nothing new has been added to it, nothing's been taken away. Times and events have changed over the years, but the story hasn't. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've probably heard many Christmas sermons. In fact, I counted them. I have record of doing 28 Christmas-themed sermons over the years. You know, it's kind of hard to get something new out of that. In fact, Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun. So anything you hear me say, it's probably been said before, either by me or by somebody else. So what I'm gonna share today is really nothing new, but it's always good to be reminded. So we're gonna look at the Christmas story and then we're gonna look at what the world would be like if Jesus wasn't born. Matthew 1.18. Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you're gonna name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I think the, the birth of Jesus is the single biggest event in human history. It's changed everything. Christ's birth is not really in dispute by anybody. Most people believe, you know, he was born. Most people believe he lived, whether they, whether they believe he's the Messiah or not is another story, but I think most people believe he did. 
If you were with us on Wednesday, we had a, a couple of video series on the significance of that and the birth date. Now, there's still some question. There is evidence that he was born in December, maybe on December 25th, but that's not one of those things that, you know, we're dogmatic about. But it, whatever the date, it doesn't diminish the reality of Jesus being born. What would the world be like if he wasn't born? If his birth was no big deal and he was just another baby or a good man or a prophet, how would this world be different? I mean, did he really make that big of a difference? A lot of people thinks, think that if Jesus wasn't born, all the problems would cease. Why? Because no Christianity, right? There'd be no pesky Christians around, no inquisitions, no Christians being fed the lions, no manger scenes at courthouses, no pro-life rallies, no people to protest all the things that are going on in town. John Lennon, remember his song, Imagine? Imagine no religion. I think Lennon actually meant imagine no Christianity, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. Imagine if there were no Christianity. Imagine if there were no morals based in Christianity. I find out that there was actually a book out there called What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? So I got a lot of information I'm gonna share with you from that book and a few others. So we're gonna walk backwards through time to see what would be different if Jesus wasn't born. Well, the first thing is none of us would be here. I mean, physically in this building, right? This building wouldn't be here. It'd be an empty lot or something else. The people who have been saved or helped by this church, people whose lives have been changed here, would not have been saved or helped or changed. We sing about, you know, look what the Lord's done in me. The people that have just been in this physical building, what has the Lord done in you? Well, none of that would have happened. Your family wouldn't have been helped. Your life wouldn't have been changed. Nothing would be different. Many of us met each other and became friendships because of here. People who've been married here obviously wouldn't have been married here. You know, it's funny. You do weddings. For the most part, everybody wants a wedding in the church. Even if they don't go to church, they want a wedding in the church. So they get married in the church. If there are no churches, there'd be no weddings in churches. There may not even be any weddings because God was the author of marriage. When you make a vow to be married, you vow it before the Lord. If there's no Lord, there's no vows. Without marriage, there'd be no commitment. Parents come and go as they please. Who cares about wife and kids? Just do what you want. If you weren't saved here, you would have been saved somewhere. But if there's no church, you wouldn't have been saved there either because there wasn't any churches anywhere. And there would not be any salvation. There'd be no Jesus to save you. Funerals would mean nothing because after you die, what happens? There's no hope. If there's no Jesus and there's no eternal life, the funerals would be depressing. Why would any of us desire to be good people? We wouldn't. Think about where you were before you became a Christian. You did not have the Holy Spirit as your conscience. 
extrapolate that to where you might be today without the Holy Spirit in your life. Because if you're not saved, there's no Holy Spirit to fill you. So let's go a little bit further back in time. There'd be no Salvation Army, no Christmas celebrations, no soup kitchens, no city missions, no Red Cross, no YMCAs. But that's okay because there wouldn't be a Pennsylvania either. Pennsylvania was named for a Quaker preacher named William Penn. If he were not in full-time service for the Lord, he would not have been given land to settle, and then he would not have been able to name it Pennsylvania. William Penn wrote this, God has given it to me, the state. Will I believe, bless it, and make it the seed of a nation? Pennsylvania started because William Penn was a Christian deciding to spread the gospel in this area. Even if there was a state of Pennsylvania, there would not be laws as we know them today. Laboring for Jesus Christ, William, William Penn's plan for government for this new territory of Pennsylvania, this was his desire as law. Make and establish such laws as best preserve true Christian liberty and civil liberty in opposition to all unchristian practices. That was William Penn's desire for this territory that we now call Pennsylvania. Before that, America's laws were founded on Christian principles. 1892, the Supreme Court, in an opinion, clearly stated that this is a Christian nation. Now, I think we're wavering from that, but it did start out as that. No Christ, no nation, as we have it today. For those of you who are history buffs, the Mayflower Compact, known as the Birth Certificate of America, written by the first settlers of Plymouth, stated that they originally set out quote, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That's why they started this Mayflower Compact. You go further back than that, Columbus discovered America, and there's always debate about Columbus now. Why not besmirch him if he was out doing God's will? Columbus discovered America because as his own diaries reveal, he set out with a mission to preach the gospel to whatever country he came to. That was why he left. He also believed that the world was round. Why? Because the Bible refers to the earth as being a sphere. The experts in his day said what? The world's flat. You're going to fall off the edge of the earth. The experts in that day told us that the sun revolved around the earth. Those are the experts. What do the experts tell us today that isn't true? We evolved. How many have heard this quote? Yesterday's medical books are today's joke books. You read a medical book from 100 years ago and you look at that and you wonder, how did they ever come up with that? I found some old advertisements online, even from the 19, 20th century, promoting the, the benefits of Coca-Cola when Coca-Cola actually contained cocaine. And they had... Advertisements for DDT, how DDT is safe for your kid. Now, if you're not old enough, you don't remember that. That was a pesticide that they banned. What about education? Most of education we see today in public schools and colleges and universities are decidedly non-Christian. But their beginnings were based in Christianity. In 1642 and 1647, the Puritans were the ones who passed laws requiring and establishing public education. We have a different, a little bit different today. 
but it then mandated that towns hire and pay teachers to teach their children. Why? Because they want their children to read the Bible. In fact, the name of the law that they passed, which is, if you search for it, you'll find it, it's called the Old Deluder Satan Act. That's kind of a weird title, but meaning that Satan would be able to delude those people who could not read the Bible. In 1787, the Northwest Ordinance was passed. It stated this, religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government. Everything we have is the laws that were based based on God's principles. If no Jesus, then no Christianity, then no God's principles. Look at the other nations of the world that aren't a Christian nation, and you see what it would have been like here if Christ were not born. The colleges of Harvard, Yale, William & Mary, Brown, Princeton, New York University, and Northwestern were all started by churches. Dartmouth was founded to train specifically missionaries. William & Mary was created so, quote, that the Christian faith might be propagated. University of Columbia, quote, the chief thing that is aimed at this college is to teach and engage children to know God in Jesus Christ. Harvard, quote, the great end of all education is to know the Lord Jesus Christ who is eternal life. Jesus weren't born, none of this would have happened. How many have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? You know, it it would be cool to see what the world would be like if, you know, you weren't here personally. How did you affect people? And our, our range would be obviously limited. But if Jesus weren't born, imagine the difference the world would take now. Where would it be at right now? All those colleges set aside, let's assume that they're here. How has he helped you individually? I know he's helped society as a whole, but what has he meant to you? What has he done in your life purposely and significantly? How would your life be different if Jesus were never born for you? Let's look at some specifics. Children. Matthew 19, 13, reads, Some children were brought to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. The disciples told him not to bother him. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he put his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Prior to Jesus being born, children were basically property of their parents. Their their father could do with whatever they wanted to with them. But Jesus gave children worth and meaning to God. They weren't just somebody's property. Ancient civilizations and even today, abortion and infanticide is practiced. Government sanctioned, obviously. In the Old Testament, God describes these practices as, quote, the detestable practices of Molech. I mean, read that passage. People in the Old Testament who were idol worshippers used to place their infant babies on the red-hot hands of this stone idol as a worship to that God and burn that baby alive. Leviticus 20, verse 2 says, If any of them devote their children as burnt offerings to Molech, they must be stoned to death by the people of the community. Jesus gave children value simply because they exist not because of what they can do. 
and not because of who they belong to. That's why, that's why we're opposed to abortion. Because God says that baby has value, whether we think that baby has value or not. It does not matter what we think. God says that baby has value. They weren't property, they weren't possessions. The Canaanites were also child sacrificers. The prophets of Baal and Asherah were the official murderers of children. And that's why God ordered their destruction. With the introduction of the church and the influence of Christ, these practices all but ceased in these countries where Christianity was prevalent. The church called for unwanted babies to be brought to them and they would care them because of Jesus' command. They would be the first orphanages because of Jesus. Jesus brought value to their lives. But unfortunately, infanticide still goes on today. I saw this in a paper a while ago. Maybe you've seen it. A, a young couple had a handicapped child that needed a surgery to live. The parents refused the surgery, wanting the child to just die. Hundreds of people called up wanting to adopt that child. But a judge refused their requests and let the child die. Even though people wanted to raise that baby, the judge says no. That's called the God of expediency. You might as well put the hands of Molech out. A person deciding who lives and dies. The pro-life movement is almost always Christian-based. It's definitely around the idea of Christ being able to defend all life. Even in remote areas where gospel has not penetrated, infanticide is still practiced. But when Christ and the gospel comes to those areas, those practices stop. What about women? To listen to most women's groups, you think that Christianity is the worst thing to happen to women since men. The feminists feel that Christianity is the downfall of all women, but it's just the opposite. In ancient cultures, and even in some today, women are little more than what the infants were, property of their husbands and fathers. We see in Muslim countries today, horrible surgeries being done on young girls, honor killings. I can't can't imagine, I can't imagine. In fact, in a lot of countries, girl babies are less valuable than boy babies. And that prompts the infanticide of many more girl babies than boy babies. In the late 1800s, two women missionaries went to China to spread the gospel, but found that female infanticide was commonplace. These ladies would comb the countryside in search of these babies that were abandoned and take care of them. Before Christianity came to India, widows used to be burned alive on their husbands' graves. All throughout of our American history, there's been little doubt about our Christian heritage, although a lot try to deny it. The Christian influence we have, people don't think it's because of Christ, but what we have, even though it's waning, it's still the good that we have is because of Christ. The laws on the books, look at the laws on the books. Most of them are based in biblical principles. If there were not a God above all of us, why would we need any law? In Judges, what did the Bible say? That Israelites did whatever was seen right in their own eyes. 
Murder, why is murder wrong? If we're just an advanced animal, like a lion, why is murder wrong? It's not wrong for a lion to kill an elk or a lamb or whatever. It's not wrong. We're not going to persecute and prosecute the lion. But why is it wrong for man? Because God said it's wrong. Somebody above us has declared it being wrong. And we've put that law in the books because God says it's wrong, not because we say it's wrong. We don't steal because the Bible says don't steal. If we're just an advanced animal, why is stealing wrong? Just take what I want. Because God says it's wrong. That's why it's on on the books. Can't lie in court. You can't steal. All these things that we think that, you know, man's so advanced that we've made these laws because we're good enough, but we're not. God says these are laws. That's why they're in place. Look at our country compared to any other country on the earth where the Christian influence is still the majority. Muslim countries, Hindu countries, apostate Christian countries, atheistic countries, none of them have experienced the blessings that we've experienced here. If you look at apostate countries, they have social unrest and no moral restraint. Atheistic countries, Soviet Union, Hitler, you know, Hitler, we all think Hitler was a bad guy, and he was, but Hitler was a a rookie. Stalin killed 60 million of his own people. Mao killed 42 and a half million of his own people. Hitler killed six. That's just the Jews, not counting all the other people he killed. You know what happens when you take God out of the picture? That's what happens. What about Jesus' impact on science? A lot of people think that science and Christianity don't mix, but most of our most famous scientists are Christian. If you look at their history, look at their, their books and their writings, Louis Pasteur, known for bacteriology, he was a Christian. Isaac Newton, calculus, discovered the law of gravity, he was a Christian. Blaise Pascal for math, he discovered, or he was a Christian. Charles Babbage, computer guy, he was a Christian. Joseph Lister, antiseptic surgery, he was a Christian. Going back to the yesterday's joke books or today's medical books. From science, we can go to medicine and healing. The Bible says, and great multitudes followed him and he healed them. The example of Jesus healing people was the backdrop for the modern hospital movement. Early hospitals were actually hospices formed by Christian churches to care for those who were dying. I'm not sure how it is here, but back in Pittsburgh, all the hospitals in Pittsburgh, St. Francis, St. Margaret's, Presbyterian, Mercy, which is a Catholic hospital, Baptist hospital, Holy Cross Hospital, all founded originally by churches and Christian organizations to help sick. Look at retirement homes. Again, back home, I just know the names of the ones back home, Presbyterian Senior Care, Methodist Home, Baptist Home. Again, all started by churches because of Jesus. Charles Rosenberg, a professor of history, sociology, and science at the University of Penn, wrote a book called The Care of Strangers, The Rise of the American Hospital System. (coughs) 
He wrote that early hospitals were framed and motivated by the responsibilities of Christian stewardship. Florence Nightingale, founder of the modern nursing movement, was a devout was taught by a devout German Lutheran pastor. Henry Dunment, he was a Swiss banker and a Christian, started the YMCA's. He later founded the Red Cross. The international symbol of the Red Cross is a cross. Coincidence? Now, a lot of non-Christian countries are replacing the Red Cross with something else. Why would they do that if it wasn't specifically a Christian symbol? Today, the U.S. sends out many Christian medical missionaries. Christians are the ones who help the hungry children in third world countries. Because of God's command to go into all the world, not only with the gospel, but to care for the people in the world. What's the Bible say about widows and orphans? That's religion at its purest, the Bible says in James. Look out for people who can't look out for themselves. That's God's command through Christ to us. Let me close with this, John 21, 25. And I suppose that if all the things Jesus did were written down, the whole world cannot contain the books. <laughs> Think about that. The whole world couldn't contain everything that Jesus did. This sermon is eight pages and will be done early. So what this sermon is compared to what Christ did is microscopic. There's so many other areas that Christ has touched. Christianity's contribution to civil liberties, its contribution to economics, its impact on the family. Despite what you see on TV, the Christian ideal for the family is still what most Americans want. Most Americans want two-parent homes with children. They may not acknowledge God's plan, but they want to live by it. They believe, the adu- they believe that adultery and divorce are wrong. The majority of people still believe this way or at least, at least would like it in their lives. They think it's wrong because they think it's wrong, but in reality it's wrong because God says it's wrong. God knows what he's talking about. Christianity's role in arts and music. Now most of what you hear about music is, is negative, but it's not always been that way. God created music. Many great composers were believers. Bach, Handel, Vivaldi, Mendelssohn, all Christians. And these composers in turn influenced others, Haydn, Mozart, Chopin, Wagner, Brahms, others, all influenced by Christians. And they themselves were Christians. Remember how one life touches another? Bach touches now Wagner or Brahms. But the most important thing for us to realize today is how would your life be different if Jesus wasn't born? Where would you be if you weren't a Christian right now? Now you may have been a Christian for a couple of years or maybe you've been a Christian a long, long time. Try to look back. Where would you be if you weren't? All the influences you've had up to now that were influenced by Christ, 
Imagine them being gone. What would you be like? A lot of times I'll, I'll look at the lives around you. Maybe some of your family don't know Christ. Or maybe your neighbors don't know Christ. And where are they? You might be like them. If there's no Christian influence in your life, where would you be? I don't want to think about where I would be. Because I know what I was like. Each of you probably have a different idea of what you'd be like. If you're raised in a Christian home, that's all you know. But if you weren't, then you know both areas. Look at the people who aren't Christian around you. That's probably what you'd be like. We just got done celebrating Christmas, the birth of Christ. Close with this. I said that twice, I know. I want us to take some time and think about where you'd be today, given how and where you were before you came to Christ, and then be thankful that you are where you are now because of Christ. I'm going to close with this poem, the third time to say close. If the house isn't clean, it's still Christmas. If desserts aren't made, it's still Christmas. If there are no decorations, it's still Christmas. If the gifts aren't purchased, it's still Christmas. But if Jesus weren't born, it's not Christmas. That's why we're able to have all the festivities we have and the joy we have because of Jesus. Jesus allows us to have hope for what's coming tomorrow. I mentioned this on Christmas Eve. There's a lot of people, maybe you're here, that Christmas is not a great time for you. And because of that, you need someone to come into your life to love you and encourage you and bless you. That's what Jesus does, and most often he does it through other people, us. Got a new year starting in a week or so. Man, I want this year to be the best year that we're able to reach other people with the love that we've already got. And we're, we're willing to tell everybody about a great sale or a great bargain we got or this great deal on Amazon. How about we start telling people about what Jesus did for us and what Jesus continues to do for us every day? Would you stand as we close? I mean, you're glad that you're a Christian. Glad that you're in the house of God. You're able to be here. Would you bow your heads for a moment? I can never let you go without asking you if you've made that commitment to Christ. You can have been in church years and years and not be a Christian, not really have a relationship with Jesus. Because the church doesn't save you. This building doesn't save anybody. And truth be told, I don't save anybody. I just tell you what you need to do to be saved. And the Bible says that God draws you and God wants that relationship with you. God reaches out to you and the choice is up to you. 
If you want to experience the joy and the happiness that we have and the, even the struggles we go through that God helps us through, the Bible says God's always waiting at the outside of your door and he's knocking on the door of your heart. And the only thing that's keeping you away from God is the sin in your life, and the sin in my life. But the Bible says that Jesus came to forgive us that sin and to restore that relationship with God that was ruined by the sin we've committed. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're here and you want that, that relationship that we're talking about, the difference that Christ makes in your life, the Bible says you just confess your sins to Jesus from your heart and believe in your, in your mind that Jesus is the Savior, that God raised him from the dead. That's all it takes to be saved, to have that relationship with Christ. If you're here and you want to do that, you want to make that first step. The day after Christmas, you just want to make a new relationship with Christ. You want to start anew and afresh. Sins forgiven, wiped clean because of your trust in what Jesus did for you. I want to pray with you and I want you to raise your hand real high so I can see who you are. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you have done for us. Not only personally, but what you've done for our lives in this world, how we have been blessed more than we can imagine. And it's only because of you, Jesus. Because of what you have allowed people to do in the name of Jesus. And Father, as we leave this morning, I just pray that God, you would fill each one of us with your spirit, Allow us to be revived and re-energized. Christmas takes a lot out of everybody. But Lord, we need you to re-energize us, re refill us. Give us the joy and excitement to hit the ground running this new year and do great work for the kingdom of God. And as we do that work, Lord, we know that we'll feel and experience the blessings in our life. So Father, I pray your blessings upon us as we leave this morning and allow it to be a great week and a great anticipation of what you're going to do next year and we ask all these things in jesus name and everyone said amen amen, amen. god bless you have a great week we'll see you next sunday